0: Hey, everybody, our board slash OITE podcast companion book is now available for you to follow along and take notes with our podcast review. Just click the link in the description. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to yet another episode of the Nailed It Ortho podcast started by myself, Dr. Cole and Jay Fitz to go over high you orthopedic surgery topics. But this is just a series within our podcast called our OITE slash our board review series featuring myself and Dr. Spencer Woolwine and we are talking some foot and ankle stuff so if you are a first-time listener welcome to the podcast go ahead and hit the subscribe button and follow us on instagram facebook twitter and youtube at nailed it ortho if you are a returning listener welcome back we are glad to have you back again listening to us and we thank you for listening and hope you are learning a lot from these episodes just as much as we learned uh making them and reading through all the different sources to come up with this review and uh without further ado let's go ahead and hop into some more foot and ankle review
1: you are now listening to Nailed It, the orthopedic surgery podcast featuring doctors Jay Fitz and
0: Wendell Cole. Now getting into just more little random foot stuff um, that, that I've seen questions on, so it is it is not benign, um, but not super, super high yield, but what is a Freiburg? And I may be I may mean, be mispronouncing it, maybe Freeberg uh, infarction, but what is a Freeberg infarction?
1: So uh, it is, um, basically it affects the second, most commonly affects the second metatarsal head. And it's, um, for me, this was always confusing because it's, it's an, they call it an infraction, which is not the same as an infarction. <laughs> um uh- but it's essentially the same where um, it's an infraction or a kind of a subchondral fracture due to multiple reasons, most commonly like a osteonecrosis or an AVN, So it would be like an infarction of the metatarsal head, but you get eventual collapse of the second metatarsal head and you get central resorption of the subchondral bone that then leads to arthritis. So basically you're taking that aspect of the second mtp joint and flattening it so now there's not a congruent joint surface and over time that can then lead to um, arthritis and patients will complain of pain with weight bearing they'll complain of pain with digit motion you can see advanced disease on x-rays but an mri may be useful to make a diagnosis with osteonecrosis um and uh now that you've made the diagnosis in a patient you see that metatarsal head collapse you see that central resorption of subchondral bone and they have some arthritis what are some of the um kind of non-op but also operative treatments of the uh kind of freiberg or freeberg infraction
0: yeah so you know um some of the non-op treatment for these freeberg infractions at least in the early stages one, you can offload it. So, offload a joint. This may be done with casting or boot or something of that sort. Uh, again, you can cast in and you can also do one of the same inserts we were talking about earlier. So, you can use a carbon uh, fiber insert with that Morton's extension to help kind of limit that range of motion and give that area some support. And these patients that have these recalcitrant cases, surgery may be the answer. And what are some of the different options? So one, you could do a dorsal closing wedge osteotomy with resection of the diseased bone. And this is something that also shortens the metatarsal. And uh, what this does, it kind of helps rotate that plantar cartilage dorsally, again, because this is a dorsal closing wedge. So you're taking a piece of bone out and, and, uh, and shortening it and kind of lifting that plantar cartilage up dorsally uh, again we talked about the, that 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 uh, cartilage damage was, was done before um, so again this hopefully gets that good plantar cartilage a little bit more dorsal then you can also just resect part of the head you can do an isolated debrisment and they're also depending on the size and the location of the uh of the of the area you can also do an osteochondral autograph so there are many different options treatment options now you know that's a lot of the stuff we've been talking we talked a lot about the first ray this is a little bit about the second ray or the second metatarsal head uh what are or what do most lesser toe deformities have in common you know when we talk about you know like mallet toes and claw toes and all these other type of toes uh what are some (laughs) of the what are some of these what do they have in common for the most part
1: yeah, so pretty much all the time, they're going to have a hyperextension of the metatarsal phalangeal joint. Um, these deformities typically start with plantar plate dysfunction, um, which just kind of makes sense. That's where, when we walk, that's where the weight goes through. That's where the most kind of friction is. That's where the most micro trauma occurs is that plantar plate. Once you get plantar plate dysfunction, then you're gonna get the extrinsic muscles overpowering the intrinsics. And so the um, extensor digitorum is going to lead, it's gonna overpower the intrinsics and lead to metatarsal phalangeal extension. And then you're gonna get the flexor digitorum overpowering the intrinsics and lead to proximal and distal interphalangeal flexion. And um, it's, I mean, uh, these kind of lesser toe deformities, thankfully, are not going to be tested very much. Um, But again, if they do ask uh, what is the main driving force for them, it's going to be the extrinsic muscles overpowering the intrinsics. And what's the pathology or the pathophysiology behind a crossover toe?
0: Yeah, I remember seeing some patients in this uh, with this in clinic when I was on my foot and anchor rotation. But so what this is, is you have MTP joint instability. So again, phalangeal joint instability, again, disruption of that plantar plate, which we talked about is is common in a lot of these lesser lesser toe deformities is plantar plate dysfunction or disruption. Then, for here, you get LCL or lateral collateral ligament attenuation, and then you get migration of the second digit towards the hallux. So, it literally, crosses over, <laughs> second digit goes towards the big toe and it makes a cross. And you can also get a, a tertiary claw toe when this continues to get worse and worse. But again, MTP joint instability, plantar plate disruption, attenuation, or that kind of loosening of the lateral collateral ligament of the second metatarsal, which, if that's loose, you're toe goes, starts to drift immediately towards the hallux. And what is a, I remember I always used to get confused about like mallet toes versus hammer toes, (laughs) but what is a mallet toe deformity and the treatment options for that?
1: So a mallet toe deformity is going to be a deformity that has resulted in a hyperflexion of the DIP. And um, again, the Initial treatment for these non-op, you're going to do, there's, you don't necessarily need like NSAIDs and physical therapy for these sort of patients. It's just kind of a symptomatic thing. So shoes with high toe boxes uh, for the ladies, kind of avoiding um, high heels because that's going to put more pressure down on that uh, toe and push it more into the shoe and cause ulcers or calluses over the kind of tip of the toes because of that hyperflexion of the DIP. Um, They can try padding. They can try orthoses that add extra padding over the digits. Um, But if they say, no, I need something done, um, if the deformity is still flexible, uh, FDL tendon release off the base of the proximal phalanx typically will solve their problems because the FDL is kind of that driving force. And when you release it, then their toe will be flexible enough to go back into neutral or a little bit of dorsiflexion because the um, EDL is going to take over uh, and help that distal phalanx go into extension. But if it's a fixed deformity, which I think is going to be the more common type of deformity, um, you're going to uh, want to shorten the middle phalanx, so uh, middle phalanx condyle resection um, You can do an extensor tendon repair if you think it's feasible, kind of like a suture anchor into that uh, distal phalanx to help it want to stay more in dorsiflexion or extension. And then pinning it in neutral or a little bit of dorsiflexion as well will help um, kind of let the joint sit in that position for a while and kind of let it get stiff in that position so that it won't want to go down back into flexion. Um, and then, so we talked about malato, what about hammer toe? What is a hammer toe deformity in
0: the treatment options? Yeah, so a hammer toe deformity is when you have flexion of your PIP and extension of your DIP. And we know, again, MTP extension is pretty much common in all these lesser toe deformities. So they have flexion of the PIP and extension of the DIP and MTP. And again, treatment options are pretty similar you know, non op is going to be shoes with a high um, high toe box or, you know, kind of silicone um, toe sleeves or a lot of different things you can use. Now, when you're talking about the operative treatment, again, is it flexible or is it fixed? And, you know, can you in the office straighten the toe out and make it look normal or does it just stay still? So for our flexible um, hammer toe deformities, you can do uh, a treatment option for them. is going to be resection section of the proximal phalanx condyles, plus or minus an FDL, tenotomy, and pinning. Or you can do a girdle stone tailor, which is a FDL, so the flexors to extensor tendon transfers. Um, And so, you know, because again, you have a flexion of your PIP. So those are just some treatment options for the flexible. And again, and you think about it, it's a lot of, you know, kind of soft tissue work. Um, For our fixed hammer toe deformities, these are going to be patients that may benefit from a PIP arthrodesis or an arthroplasty plus or minus EDL um, lengthening. So again, uh, for your flexibles, you may be looking at a girdle stone tailored procedure where you're transferring the FDL tendon to the extensor tendons. You may also be looking at just kind of resecting the proximal phalanx condyles and doing a um, FDL tenotomy and pinning the toe in that position. Or for these fixed deformities, you may fuse the PIP joint or do an arthroplasty uh, as well as lengthen the edl tendon and then there are, there are many other treatment options out there but hopefully if you know these these should be some ones that should be able to get you to the test and another thing that we always talk about uh, with claw toe deformity and especially cases of like miscompartment syndrome and things of that sort um, what is a claw toe deformity and what are some of the treatment options of this
1: for yeah, this? So yep so claw toes are kind of a, a what you would think of if you were trying to make a claw with your hands. So you have extension of the metatarsal phalangeal joints, but flexion of the PIP. And for a brief overview, mallet toes is just hyperflexion of the DIP. A hammer toe is extension of the MTP, flexion of the PIP and extension of the DIP. And a claw toe is extension at the MTP, and flexion at both the PIP and DIP, really due to plantar plate deficiency. Um, what this does is it causes calluses and pain due to the inner joints rubbing across the top of the shoe and the distal part of the joints rubbing on the bottom of the shoe, uh, just because they're not sitting normally within a shoe. Um, obviously you can do shoe wear modifications and padding uh, for non-operative treatment. But operative, um, if they are flexible, just like uh, you were talking about before with the uh, flexible deformities of the hammer toe, um, you can do an EDL lengthening. You can do an FDL to EDL tendon transfer, which is that girdle Taylor tailor you were talking about. Um, extensor digitorum brevis tenotomy, really just stuff to um, help re- uh, release the uh, hyper function of the extensor tendons causing that metatarsal phalangeal joint hyperextension. But if these are fixed and they've been sitting there for a long time, um, you may have to do some sort of bony procedure, whether that's a metatarsal shortening osteotomy or uh, proximal phalanx osteotomy and some sort of uh, soft tissue reconstruction, whether that's an Uh, flexor digitorum to extensor digitorum tendon transfer, um, whether that's a FDL tenotomy or an extensor digitorum brevis tenotomy, just some sort of other soft tissue balancing maneuver to help get those toes flat. And most commonly after surgical treatment for these, you're always going to pin them in the position you want them to be in for a short period of time, just to help kind of create a little bit of joint stiffness in that area so that they don't recreate their claw toe deformity um so now that we've kind of exhausted uh the (laughs) mallet hammer and claw toe deformities and how to treat them um moving on so we talked about bunions but then the other side of the foot is a bunionette what what is a bunionette and what are the different types
0: Yeah. Just like you alluded to, it's going to be on the other side of the foot. So we're on the lateral side of the foot. So a bunionette, you're going to have a prominence of the fifth metatarsal head. I think I've only seen maybe one question about this asked during my time or, you know, on the question. So probably not super high yield. So we'll just quickly go over it. So again, bunionette is going to be a prominence of the fifth metatarsal head. So you have three different types. Type one, you can just have an enlarged fifth metatarsal head. Type two, you can have fifth metatarsal diaphyseal bowing, so you get bowing of the diaphysis that causes that prominence. And in type three, you can you can actually have an increase in the fourth and the fifth intermetatarsal I, uh, angle, so the IMA angle. So greater than eight uh, degrees IMA between the fourth and fifth metatarsals is going to be considered pathologic. And really quickly, what are some of the treatment options for bunionettes?
1: Uh, so wider toe box shoes, um, just to make room for a wider forefoot. If you have this bunionette, um, and then some lateral, uh, fifth metatarsal head padding, like, a you can find them at the store there. They usually look like little donuts or something that, that people put on to prevent callus formation over those areas. And then, um, most of the time patients will get better with those things. This is Usually not an operative disease, but for patients that fail non op treatment, um, you for a type one, when you just have a wide fifth metatarsal head, you just do a lateral condylectomy. So basically, you just shave off the prominent portion of the lateral condyle, and now that you've shaved that off, you've taken a few millimeters off that bone, they're not going to have that lateral prominence, and the callus and all that stuff will tend to go away over time. Um, If you have a uh, type 2 or that diaphyseal bowing, um, a distal osteotomy where that bow is uh, will typically correct uh, the the bowing aspect and bring that lateral prominence more in line with the foot, thus decreasing the uh, actual width of the foot. And then also a lateral condylectomy if they have an enlarged fifth metatarsal head is along with it. And for types two and three, depending on where that diaphyseal bowing is, or where that fourth and fifth intermetatarsal angle is increased, you can do an oblique diaphyseal rotational osteotomy. Uh, so, if they have a diaphyseal disease, you typically do a diaphyseal surgery. If they have a distal third or metatarsal uh, phalangeal joint disease, then you do a distal procedure like a distal chevron osteotomy. That's that's the easiest way to think about this. And um, we we talked about the sesamoids being kind of pulled lateral with a hallux valgus deformity and we said that the resecting the fibular sesmoid is actually bad and can result in hallux varus but where would we find the sesmoids what what tendon do they sit in
0: yeah so they actually sit in the flexor hallucis brevis uh, so that's what tendon the sesamoids sit in, and they help transmit some of that weight bearing pressure. And it also, you know, these sesamoids also increase the pulley function of the flexor hallucis brevis and helps protect the FHL. So we see those little two dots on the X rays. You know, we don't think much of it, but they 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 serve some some type of a function. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, they're like a
1: little patella for the MTP.
0: Right. Yeah, that's exactly what they are. They're the, they're the foot patellas. Um, <laughs> and uh, what, are some, what are some physical exam or, I guess, radiographic see, uh, findings that may be seen in patients with sesamoid pathology? Because there are patients that do have injuries to these uh, to these bones. Uh,
1: yeah, so they'll have focal tenderness in the area of the sesamoids and uh, they may have pain with first ray range of motion, just like somebody who has a, p- a patella uh, issue they're going to have pain with range of motion at the knee same thing with these sesamoids they'll have pain with first ray range of motion um on a uh on an x-ray you may see a fracture through a uh a um you may see kind of uh, avascular necrosis and then on uh Kind of like a an AP view, you'll see if they are starting to sublux one way or another uh, on that first metatarsal head, and then looking an MRI is pretty useful in these conditions because the bones are so small. The MRI will help delineate exactly what's going on, but it may show like an osteonecrosis, it may show a stress fracture or a true fracture, Um, and although a lot of these can be like a sesmoid fracture. Can be treated non-operatively. What uh, What are some of the operative conditions? Let's say a patient for the last eight weeks has been trying to heal this, but they still have persistent pain and they're miserable on the plantar aspect of their first MTP. And you you diagnose them with a sesmoid non-union. What What can you do for these patients?
0: Yeah. So treatment options for these patients just be things like really pretty simple. Is either partially excise it. You maybe you just size out the smaller of the two pieces or a complete excision where you completely take the, the, the sesmoid bone out. There are also some reports and, you know, things written up about bone grafting as well, uh, but it may not work as well, but it is an option. And so say, for example, you know, we got this patient, they had a sesamoid nonunion and we said, all right, we're going to take it out. What are some potential complications with sesmoid excision? that you should just like consult a patient about?
1: Uh, yeah. So the, I mean, the first one, like we talked about before, when you take out the fibular or the lateral excision, you can get hallux varus. Uh, consequently, if you take out the medial or tibial sesmoid, you can get hallux valgus, just the exact opposite deformity. Um, and also if you take out these sesmoids, um, you're, decreasing the uh, efficiency of the flexor halicis brevis. You you talked about before, what they do is they help increase the pulley function for the flexor halicis brevis. And that essentially makes them makes the flexor halicis brevis a stronger muscle than it otherwise would be because of these muscles. So if you take that out, then the extensor uh, digitorum becomes a stronger pull across the joint and the toe will drift up in into a cock up deformity because the flexor muscles can't overcome the strong pull of the extensor tendons. So um, those are just things to, to talk to the patients about. And um, you, if you're a sports or even foot and ankle surgeon, you will, you will see this patient come into your clinic and um, you'll diagnose them with turf toe, what is, what is turf toe and a common mechanism of injury?
0: Yeah, so turf toe is like pretty much when you have injury to the periarticular structures around the metatarsophalangeal joint of the hallux. So, you know, they can have, um, you know, these patients may have a plantar plate avulsion from the proximal phalanx, as well as sesamoid migrations proximally. And a typical or common uh, mechanism of injury for this is going to be forced dorsiflexion of the metatarsal phalangeal joint or forced hyperextension of the metatarsal phalangeal joint, which makes sense. If the plantar plate is at the bottom, you can get a plantar plate avulsion from when those tissues are stretched too much, which would occur during MTP hyperextension or forced dorsiflexion. Um, So again, MTP hyperextension, and then you also can get an axial load on a plantar flexed foot that is another um you know that's a common mechanism of injury so mtp hyperextension and an axial load on a plantar flexed foot and if you just google um if you google turf toe and yeah i mean you go under google images you will see a image of of this mechanism and Yeah. You know, these patients, they come in, um, you know, they have little ecchymoses. They tell you that, you know, they, their foot was in this position and they fell or, you know, they hit the ground like this uh, and you get an x-ray. What are some things you can see on an x-ray in the patient with a turf toe injury?
1: Yeah. You're really only going to be able to look at the lateral x-ray for a turf toe injury, just because it is primarily a soft tissue type of condition. And as we all know, a soft tissue isn't, uh, uh, optimally visualized on a, uh, radiograph. Um, but what you can see is that proximal migration of the sesamoids because the distal portion of where those, uh, attach has been avulsed. Now you have the pull of the flexor helices brevis pulling them more proximally. So they'll be sitting more proximal than other, where they otherwise would be on a normal foot x-ray. And, uh, just like always, uh, we have non-op and operative treatments. What are some of the non-operative treatments for patients with turf toe?
0: Right. So things: resting and SEDs, toe taping, toe taping. Did I say <laughs> <laughs> toe taping? Toe <laughs> taping, as well as uh, stiff uh, insoles. Uh, you know, if they have a you know a really severe injury, you can give them a, a walker boot as well. And then for patients that actually have these like partial um, plantar plate tears, you, you you take them out of sports for a couple of weeks. So no sports for two weeks. You know, the, these injuries can be, can be real injuries, you know, really, really uh, uh, tough injuries to deal with. So you take them out of, of sports for a couple of weeks. So again, rest NSAIDs, toe taping, uh, stiff insoles, uh, a walker boots. if they have severe injuries and take them out of sports for a couple of weeks. Now, what are some of the indications to actually operate? On patients that have turf toes
1: uh so usually these are, are rarely indicated and a lot of times these patients i mean you're going to see them years down the road for other conditions like a hallux rigidus or or something else because i mean the turf toe happens in the young athlete and a lot of young athletes i mean they're going to be like yeah my toe hurts and they they usually won't go and seek treatment unless they are either highly sought after recruits or, or highly competitive or, or whatever. So a lot of times you won't even see these patients in clinic, but if they do, um, surgery is rarely indicated you're going to really exhaust these non-operative treatments. But, um, if you do operate on them, um, if they have a, uh, a complete plantar plate tear with proximal retraction, those are ones you're going to want to operate on because they have obvious, uh, injury and a complete tear, not just a partial tear. Um, some dorsal dislocations that are irreducible due to volar plate interposition. You're going to operate on those patients because they've lost their plantar plate and they, they have a dorsal subluxation or, or dislocation of the MTP. Um, if that volar plate is sitting, in that MTP and it can't be reduced properly, you're gonna wanna take that volar plate out and repair it with suture anchors and sesamoid fractures with diastasis, retraction or loose fragments in the joint. You're gonna operate on those on those patients as well. And the treatment for that is a plantar plate repair uh, plus minus a uh, partial or a complete sesamoid excision. And like we talked about before, you're going to have to counsel these patients that should you do a complete excision of a sesamoid, then they can get a hallux varus or valgus deformity along with that. So, um, I think that, uh, I think we've kind of exhausted that uh, the tibial Taylor joint, the hind foot and the first ray. And yeah. I think our next talk will be more on, uh, sort of the midfoot conditions and, and lesser metatarsal, uh, conditions.
0: Oh yeah, it'll be good. And then we'll, uh, Touch on some foot trauma and then move on to the next. It'll be, be a <laughs> Well, um, Well, everybody that's listening, thanks again for listening in to yet uh, another episode of kind of our OIT or our board review series. Hope this is helpful. Um, Some, some people actually reached out uh, after their last OIT and, and said that that it actually helped them out a lot and they got some questions right from our review. So we are helping some people out and hopefully we can help some more people
1: out in the future. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, tell your tell your classmates or tell your tell your residency colleagues about this. If I mean, it's I understand we're not the most exciting uh, <laughs> podcast out there. We're not Joe Rogan or right. or somebody like that. But um, but yeah, if we if we can provide a little bit of a of an education while you're driving to and from the hospital or while you're in between cases, then you know we've we've done our job. So so yeah, tell your tell your residency colleagues about us. And uh, again, if you if you feel like we can add something or if you think that there's new research that shows uh, that shows something against what we are kind of teaching then then reach out. We don't want to put out wrong, wrong information or or lead you guys in the wrong direction. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Let us know.
0: Perfect. And uh, until next time, everybody.